Good morning, Grinders. Welcome to the DFS pregame show here on Roto Grinders. I'm Jordan Cooper, aka Blender Ed, Blender HD. You can follow me there on Twitter. Uh, and uh, this is the show where we would normally go over yesterday's slate. This is a short three-game NBA slate. And talk a little bit about today's slate. Normally, normally we do that. It's an 11-game slate. Who knows what's going to happen? Uh, but it's Mondays. So you know what happens on Mondays. It's Mondays with McCool. James McCool joining me. Co-author with me on the theory of daily fantasy sports. It's a 15-hour audio DFS masterclass. You can pick up at theoryofdfs.com. We got the chat room here. Max Coach One, Jupocalypse, Card Fan, D-Bills. You know what to do. Hit that thumbs up button to keep my apple juice cold. All right, hit the thumbs up button. Hit the subscribe button. Hit the notification bell to know when we go live. And you got to give an extra special hit on the thumbs up button today because it's my birthday, right? It's my birthday today, right? What did you guys get me? Nothing, of course. You don't care. Right, get me more grief and stupid questions. That's that's what that's what you people are getting me, James. You didn't get me anything, right? No one gets me anything. No, nor do I want anything. So I'm complaining about not getting anything. Nor did I care. As yeah, long as everyone I, leaves me alone, I'm fine, right? That's typically the, what I want on my birthday. I didn't know it was your birthday, but I my wife asked gotten... me, "What do you want?" I just I would just want peace and quiet. Yeah, well, I would have gotten you something. I would have gotten you like a, a hat or like an apple juice container that has a name uh, like Perseus on it because that would have been... Perseus? Percival. Percival. Sorry, I forgot. I'm not good with names. Anyway, right. my joke is ruined, but uh, happy birthday anyway, man. Okay, well, I'm 42. People people don't think I'm... People think I'm way older than I am. Is there, is there, there, do, I, do I look like I'm 60? So, not 60, but... Uh, I mean, a a life of going to, like, metal shows and playing poker and playing DFS probably ages you a little bit. Did? Do I look look that old? I look like I'm older than I am, and that's my background. Right, right. you look like you're in your mid-30s. Yeah, I'm I'm not. But you're, like, 27 or something. Yeah, I'm 28, yeah. Right, okay. So I'm 42. Do I I, I look? Do I look? No, without the hat on, you look 42. Right. When you have the hat on, you look older. When I have my hat off, I look older, right? Because right. I'm just bald as hell. Right. So well, I look younger when you can you look, see that you I look actually younger. Have you look younger when you take the hat off. I look older when I take the hat off. So that's the dynamic here. Okay. So so that's that's what I need to do in order to convince people I'm younger. I need to I need to take my hat off more. And wear wear sunglasses. Oh, wear sunglasses. What would everybody sunglasses looks younger with sunglasses blind? on? Well, I mean, you'll look blind, but you'll look younger. You'll look like okay. a younger blind person. You might look I like care, a 35 year old blind person. That's the question. Does it even matter to me? I don't know. <laughs> it just seems like it's it's because when you're in your 20s, like if you're an 18 year old kid, if you're 22, someone that's like 45 looks like they're really old. Yeah. Right? So you can so a lot of times you can't judge, and it's like, oh, they could be 45, they could be 60. I don't know. Right. But then when you're in the 40s, it's like you could properly judge. You can probably judge people in that age range. But then when you get to the younger people, you're like, is, is that is that woman 22 or 16? You're like, you're mm-hmm. not that. Then then you start getting on the other side of like, you can't tell the difference between like, oh, that. Uh, oh, oh, she's hot. It's like, Jordan, she's 15. It's like, that's a 15 year old now. What the what the yeah, hell? You know, 
It's it's the other way around. I uh, I blame Forever Twenty One, I think. But regardless, like I when when you're younger, it's funny when you're like. 12 13 years old you look at like 25 26 year olds and you're like oh man they're adults right and then when you're like 25 26 you look like something you look at somebody who's like 45 50 and you're like oh man they're adults because like you you never actually feel like an adult i think until you're like probably 40 like do you feel no like you don't you never feel like an adult you never you never feel like it. i'm 42 years old i feel like i'm 24 mentally Mentally, I feel like the same I did when I was 24. Now, physically, I feel like I'm 78, but that's that, that's what ends up happening. When you get into your 40s, all of a sudden, it's like, why does my shoulder hurt? Why do, why do, I, why do I feel like taking a nap in the middle of the day, right? That's me at 28. Okay, Everything so good. Hurts. You got a head start already. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I, I absolutely feel like I'm like 55, but I blame football for that. Like, too, too many years of contact sports has made it so that I need glasses. You know, you, you get CTE, you get broken ankles, and you get bad eyesight. But you get okay, so you're broken down because of physical activity. Yeah. I'm broken down because of lack of physical activity. <laughs> <laughs> like when a car sits out in the driveway too long and it just right. doesn't start anymore. Right, my battery's dead. <laughs> right, the the, the 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 radio is still at the default settings or whatever, and it's <laughs> I can't even switch any anymore. Uh, okay, so. Uh, can can we can we? I, I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna make the call, James. Mm-hmm. I, I didn't expect to make it. I expected it to make it make it early this mm-hmm. season. I didn't expect it to make it this early this season. Uh, I'm done with NBA DFS. Oh yeah, I'm I'm done. Like like I got I got the spreadsheet. Uh, I will I will be playing once in a while, but I'm just saying the playing like every day the spreadsheet with the cash games and the three sites and everything. I'm, I, I mean, I'll still record if I play, but it's not going to be every day. Uh, and I'm just, I'm just, it's, I'm, I'm putting it in. I'm $20,789 over the course of what? Three months. We made it three months. What? Uh, yeah. Three months is a, is a hundred is a little over a hundred percent return. Of course, most of it is on FanDuel. So if I knew beforehand, mm-hmm. I would have invested. I would just said, screw it. I'm just playing the whole thing on FanDuel. But you don't know, so that's why you 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 split it amongst everything. Then you start leading it more towards where you know, you're winning more. I'm going to attribute it to just the Fanduel user base is just weaker. I guess that's well, the only and, way that I can attribute contest selection too. You don't you get to play the the lower dollar games over on Fanduel, right? But I mean that doesn't account for like all of the all of the money there. No, like then that's not all of it. It's just that uh, yeah, the pricing is softer. When you make a mistake in cash on FanDuel, you're heavily punished. Oh yeah, right. So, so, so that's what I'm going to attribute it to. But, but as far as like playing every day, like NBA, I'm like I'm done. I'm I'm I'm, I'm I I did not play on Saturday, James. <laughs> I played MMA, which maybe I should have played NBA. I lost an MMA also. Although Ngannou's knockout actually made me not lose like eighty percent of my money. It only made me lose thirty percent of my money. Uh, but I saw what happened on Saturday, whatever, uh, when we get to the point where, where whole teams are sitting, uh, without being on the injury report and a half an hour before game time, uh, that that's when I, that's, I'm, I, I lift my hat. I, I I'm going to take off my hat, appear younger and say, I tip the cap to you, you NBA, 
but I, I bid you adieu, right? I, baseball's coming up on Thursday. Uh, I'm, 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 we can have this 11 game slate tonight. And I'm just like, like, I already look at it and I, I just looked at it and I said, I just don't feel like entering any contest. This is, I, whatever happens at, at tonight, I'm going to need my Lanta and I just don't want to deal with it anymore. Yeah. Um, Saturday, I think I, I've been playing DFS for like quite a while now. Saturday was probably the worst slate I've ever seen in, in terms of like late scratches and unheard of news and team sitting and just like absolute, just, it, it was the worst slate that I think I've ever seen. Um, the Milwaukee Bucks, if you did not pay attention on Saturday, the Milwaukee Bucks ruled out without them being on the injury report, Giannis Antetokounmpo, Chris Middleton, Drew Holiday, Dante DeVencio, uh, Bobby Portis and PJ Tucker. Like they literally ruled out seven players that are main parts of their rotations. Um, they only had eight players remaining. Three of those players, I I didn't even know who they were. Like I literally did not know who they were. Jordan and I were talking before the show started. I know the main roster and the vast majority of the backups for every team in MLB, NBA, NHL, League of Legends, Counter-Strike, like there, there's like six sports that I can just spout out any player that might play a game. And I didn't know the names of like a handful of players, like five players on that Saturday slate that ended up playing meaningful minutes between Milwaukee and Orlando. So uh, that was like the most tilting slate I think that I've ever dealt with. Um, then we also had the Knicks, didn't the Knicks sit... Oh yeah, the Knicks, yeah the Knicks sat Julius Randall. They didn't have Mitchell Robinson. Uh, they sat somebody else too. It was Derrick Rose. Like they didn't have Derrick Rose. He was out for conditioning. Like I, what we these teams aren't even trying to play notable rosters anymore. Uh, and and I had a couple questions in Luca. Did Luca after lock Luca and Porzingis were out? Oh yeah, and then Luca and Porzingis were out too. Yeah, it, it just and, and then Sunday comes around. And I'm like, okay, three games slate. I didn't have to make any changes through the day. It comes up to an hour before lock. I am hitting the upload button on my projections. Like I am uploading the optimizer onto the site. Kyle Lowry gets ruled out. Not on the injury report. Forty five minutes early. And I just go and I just lay on my floor in my office, like stare at the ceiling. It just is insane, man, that that there's nothing and there's nothing that you can do, right? Like as a content creator, Jordan, you as a player, like as a specific player, you have it hard enough trying to react to all of that news and just wait for somebody to magically put together a rotation and like a minute's projection. Right, I'm waiting on. for you. Like I'm yeah, waiting for someone like waiting. to tell me what the numbers should be. Right. And then there's me who's just like, I don't know who most of these players even are. And there's teams that have traded away main pieces of their rosters. And so now they have different pieces of their roster that I don't even know what they're going to do. Like the Orlando situation yesterday on Sunday, they pulled in a whole bunch of vets and they traded away their best players. And so now you literally have an entire team of dudes that don't matter. So like, how do you project that? It's so hard now. And like, I've been pretty much done with the season for about two weeks now. Um, I have been playing sparsely. And if I do play, it's super low volume. Like I'm not even touching a hundred dollar contest at this point, but at this point now, after what happened with the bucks on Saturday, done calling it, don't care. 
I'm just working on my baseball stuff and I'll be ready for Thursday. Uh, baseball is like huge, giant open carrot over NBA. Just NBA can leave. I mean, but we even had the situations, what Michael Carter Williams gets ruled out and then plays, right? He gets ruled out and then Michael Carter Williams has entered the game in the second quarter and like, didn't, didn't they have to dress Terrence Ross being injured on the bench just to sit him there? Yeah. Because Carter Williams got sick before the game. And, and then, then played. Then, then he re, he gets a reverse scratch. So, and then, and then yesterday he starts and then gets injured for the second half. So now that he does play, now he's out for the second. I'm, I'm, I know there's edge. Like what, what I'm saying isn't reasonable from a math, from a, from a, if you want to make money perspective, if you're good at NBA DFS, you should want all of this chaos because skillful players are going to triumph in those environments. It's just, it's a, it's a pain in the ass. It's just, it's, it's going to be, and, and then you have baseball on top of it. Yeah. Now MLB is much easier because there's no, you know, no chaos, but well, I mean, we're going to have locks. We're going to have locks most nights at the same time. And like, like, do I want to focus my time on my baseball lineups or do I want to focus my time on on being on high alert for for told teams to sit after lock nine o'clock okay we don't we we, we don't feel like playing anymore just like no, we're throwing out all the g leaguers and you're like i don't even know who these guys are yeah and then you have to project them but is this guy going to start and play 36 minutes or he's going to start and play 12 minutes who knows who knows how many minutes <laughs> these guys are going to play and what they're going to do uh so there is edge i just i how much how how much volume do I want to put into that edge that, that I don't know. I don't know. I, I, I mean, we already see in the lobbies that the lobbies are getting smaller, especially in cash games. The head dead lobbies are dead unless you want to play sharp players. <clears throat> so it's like how much though, if the volume is going down there, I know, I know what Jupocalypse says uh, uh, in the chat. Yeah, uh, I'm hoping that will be slightly more of an edge with all the sharp, all you sharp guys in here shifting to MLB. You're still gonna have plenty of sharp players, and and I mean, it's it's, it's you, you, we're not gonna be gone. Wow, two guys. Wow, you got oh bye. The, right. uh, so the last month of every single sport, you're basically only playing sharp players. Like like nearly all of the casual players have left. Like it's it's not just me and Jordan. They're just like screw this. NBA is ridiculous. Like the the casual players, like the quote unquote easier money has left and, and is gone. Like they, they're gone they, by the all-star break. Even. I mean, like, yeah, they're it, gone by the all-star it dips, break. It starts at the beginning of the season and dips yep. lower. So that's why to me that if I want to find the easier money, it would be in the first month of the baseball season. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And, and so like, if you're saying that you think that things are going to be a little bit easier with, with guys like me and Jordan getting out of the, getting out of the pools, like, nah, man, like you, you still got to deal with all the guys who have, super sophisticated algorithms and like you're not going to be getting the more casual players you're not going to be getting the easier money that easier money is going on to the next sport it's going on to baseball so like if you want to be going after the easier money you should be getting prepped up for baseball and you should be getting ready for baseball because that's where it's going to be the the last month of every single main sport the last month of nfl nba and mlb all of the casual money is gone and you're all just dealing with I mean, you can't, you can't use a term like all. Okay, fine. A lot of the easier money is gone. And you're dealing with the guys who do this for a living. You're you're doing this against now the actual like good pro grinders that are going to be there regardless. Uh, because like this is their, their you know, it's, it's what they do. So 
it, it gets, I, I usually tell people to lower their volume the last month of the season. Um, just because it's just the, the, the edge is less. To, to, right, to and me, I, I would consider doing it just that I'm the type of person that I, I just can't, I can't do, I can't do four things at once. I just like, if, if we're going to have double locks, it's like, I'd rather focus and play one sport well than do multiple mm-hmm. sports at once. Cause even on Saturday, like I, yeah, I could have, I could have played MMA lineups. There's no late swap in MMA. I could have just done that and been fine and then do NBA and then pull my hair out. It's like, no, I just want to, it's a Saturday night. I'll order UFC 260 and, and I'll watch it. Yes. And I order it because I, I find it laughable, a little laughable that people that'll play like $10,000 worth of volume in MMA contests and look for a stream and then look for free streams. It's like, dude, pay the 70 bucks. I mean, yeah, well, you know, it's uh, one one of my favorite lines in the Fast and the Furious movies is, um, I don't know, it's in one of the more recent ones. And he goes over and he's like, it was after they had this like huge heist and they're all millionaires and blah, blah, blah. They're like riding on yachts or whatever, the, whatever they're doing. Um, and one of the dudes goes up to, to one of the other guys and says, hey, can I borrow a dollar for the vending machine? He's like, you're a millionaire and you're asking me for a dollar? He's like, that's how you stay a millionaire. So I guess that's that's the the thought on not paying the seventy dollars for the uh, for the pay per view. Right. Never use your own money. Yeah. Right. Use you somebody else's money. Borrow. Yep. So so MLB coming up this week, Thursday. Yep. yep. Being 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 your 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 uh, your model maker. What 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 are you what what are you prepping for? I think uh, I want to talk a little bit about. And you'll talk about your preparation, but I also want to talk that uh, FanDuel has changed. What are your thoughts on FanDuel's new change that they're adding MPE? And FanDuel already, we're used to basketball with FanDuel being like very distinct. Like there's no MPE and it's two, 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 one. You're done in basketball. And same in football, right? In football, it's like you got one utility and and you're done. Uh, In in MLB, DraftKings is the one that's even though they have MPE, there's no utility position. So like FanDuel is on top on, on DraftKings, you have to roster a catcher. And catcher always sucks pretty much. Uh on FanDuel, it's catcher slash first base. Obviously, they have the single pitcher, so that's a big difference. But they have a catcher first base slot, so you don't have to roster their catcher. They're gonna have they have a utility spot which means you could roster two third basemans if you want four outfielders. You know, we can't do that on DK, but now they're adding multiple positional eligibility. So how, how much of an effect do you think the MPE is going to be on FanDuel? Huge. It's massive. I mean, like, even if it's just two positions, uh, because they have the utility spot and because they have already the catcher first base spot, now players are going to be able to fit into multiple spots. Um, they're going to fit into be they're going to be able to fit into more <laughs> spots than you could fit in on DraftKings because of the utility, right? Because right. it's so, not just it's not just like on short. Typically, on FanDuel, we'll have like the the shortstop. It'll be like, do you play Tatis? Do you play Lindor? Do you play Bogarts or something? And like you could only play like one at shortstop, but now you could with the utility you could play two. Mm-hmm. But now if they if they give multiple positional eligibility to a bunch of people. It's possible you could play three. I mean, like it, maybe not those three specifically because they probably won't have, like, they don't. Those guys don't play multiple positions. But I mean, 
but but it will be in positions where you're going to play be able to play like these first base outfielder types right like a bellinger or a, or a, i have to remember who's in the league i don't know but when it comes to mlb preparation james you know what i do i wait until thursday morning I, yeah I, I, then i figure out oh this guy's on that team now oh Oh, like uh, I, I remember like the big trades over and the big free agent signings over the over the summer, over the off season or whatever. But then just like I take a look at these starting lineups and I batting orders go, oh, that guy's on that team. So mm-hmm. it's, so obviously my preparation is 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 very limited, but I prepare strategically. So like that the fan duel multiple position eligibility is the is the main difference now is that you're going to be able to stack in, in like. 30 to 40 percent more ways than you were before yeah i mean it's it's a combinatorics problem right like where now the common the combinations that you can make on FanDuel have increased by orders of magnitude because of mpe so i have a good thing or a bad thing or is that a good thing or a bad thing for skillful players so i have a discussion with um with dean right on on twitter where he thinks that it is a little bit better just because of the stacking aspect where it does make it so that you can stack a little bit easier. Like you're not going to be quite as restricted on FanDuel with the way that you need to build your stacks. You're not going to be kind of like forced into playing um, like a bad player from a team that you want to stack just because they fit into the second base spot. Like the a problem with Boston last year was their second base spot sucked a lot of the year. Um, and if you want to stack Boston, you kind of, you, you had to take a bad player. Um but now you're not going to have to deal with that. The problem is that at this point, mathematically, the differences in the way that you build on FanDuel, it's it's going to be so hard to mathematically create a script in MME that makes more sense and uh, does a good job of getting you the exposures that you want on FanDuel. MPE makes it really, really, really difficult, I I think, for skillful players to have an edge over casual players. And, think and it's so? just, I think the op, no, it's the opposite. Oh, I, I think that it's harder. I think it's harder because I think that it makes it so that like the, the mistakes that you make are punished less. Like we talk about that a lot, but I, I think that when you have a lot more options in the way that you can build out a roster specifically with MPE, I think that it makes it so that there are more outs and I think that it makes it harder to take down tournaments like FanDuel. The reason why I like FanDuel, I hate the site. I refuse to play there. Um, But the reason why I like FanDuel in terms of NBA is because you have to have the top, like a top player, a top five. You don't have to have 10 of the top 15 players overall on the slate. Like on DraftKings, you're more likely to need, since yeah. they're mostly multiple positional, you'll just need the eight high scores players. You have to be perfect. You right. have to, yeah, you have to be like perfect. But on FanDuel, you have a little bit of leeway, a little bit of leeway because you have to nail the positions. You don't have to nail the entire slate. And so I think that when you look at the way that FanDuel now is put together for baseball with MPE and a single pitcher, I think that there are a lot more outs for players that maybe are a little bit less perfect um, yeah, but that benefits skillful players. But I, I think it increases randomness. I think it increases randomness, and I, I don't like that. I don't. Th- I think the opposite way. I think you should be viewing it the complete opposite way. You get punished more by having MP. If if we have if we have two, uh, 
shortstops that are be- good values or something like that. And you stat, but like you get punished by not playing both of them. It's the same thing in mm-hmm. in DK. If they, if you have two centers, if you have power forward center eligible value and a center value and another like. You're gonna play. You're gonna play three of them. Weaker players and bad players tend to not do that. So the multiple positional eligibility, like, amplifies mistakes. Now, with the large field GPPs, you're talking about like you're more like you're gonna need a higher scoring lineup because, mm-hmm. uh, for instance, on on because uh, we're gonna now mention draft like DraftKings now because I would mostly play GPPs on DraftKings. So you have to think on DraftKings. If you, let's say you have Freddie Freeman and you see uh, Paul Goldschmidt hit a home run. Well, Goldschmidt only fits in the first base spot. Freddie Freeman only fits in the first base spot. So So, you know that Freddie Freeman now needs to hit a home run. Right. Now, if Freddie Freeman hits a home run and Goldschmidt has a home run, can anyone have Freeman and Goldschmidt in the lineup together? No. So what other first basemans do don't, like, don't matter, right? Unless obviously they're first base slash outfield, unless they're eligible at some other position. But so if you get the highest, like the catcher, that's a perfect example. Catcher is always the best example because catchers typically don't do much. So if like you're sitting there with a six point catcher and it's like, has any catcher gone off? Like had, had more than a home run. Cause even a 14 pointer, you could overcome if you have six and it's an eight point difference. But you have a catcher that puts up three home runs. It's like, you're going to need him. Right. Cause I mean, and they only fit a catcher and you have to roster a catcher. If an outfield, uh, in large field GPPs, a lot of times you're going to need at least two of the highest scoring outfielders on the slate, but no one can roster four of them. So as long as you have three good ones, if you have three of the top four, you're fine. You, do you need all four of them? No, because no one could roster that. So, uh, because of that, that benefits weaker players because the likelihood of them putting, because remember we're stacking mostly and weaker, less skillful players stack less are more likely to have one-offs and uncorrelated lineups. Like the likelihood of you being able to, to get perfect on that is going to be way lower. It's going to be just a shot in the dark while with multiple positional eligibility, like dude, I can make, I can make way more, like on FanDuel, I look at that and I could go, I could get all the stacks that I possibly want and jam in exactly what I need so much easier as a skillful player where I'm not stuck with a $2,100 second baseman. What, like I'm playing a 4-3-1 lineup because the only way for me to stack the Dodgers and the Yankees and the cheap pitcher is by playing, you know, some random, you know, Diamondbacks second baseman batting eighth type of guy in the 2100 zone in second base. Well, with M- MPE, like, I, I could make 4-4 lineups so much, like, way easier now. Yeah. And if, if less of the field is building 4-4 lineups, how does that not, how does that not benefit me? Sure. No, that's, that's a good point. That's a good point. I, I look at it from a mathematical standpoint of just, I, I don't like that it's increased in orders of magnitude, the amount of combinations that you can make. Um, yeah, but that yeah, benefits skill. It makes okay. I think I think we're 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 confusing what it means by harder, right? Sure. It makes it harder overall. Like you're you're saying the same thing that I'm saying. It's just my approach is the difference sure. relative skill. You're thinking of just raw difficulty. 
Like, yes, it makes it more difficult on everyone. I'm, but as I'm thinking of it, I'm thinking of it like a like a content creator and like a model builder. Who cares about content creation well, and model? I'm talking about that's, at the event. That's play. the difference between our thoughts right now. Is like I agree because I agree with you. I agree with you after you just went through that. I agree with you, and I think that that's the point that Dean was making as well. Um, that that raw does difficulty. Make it, it's difficult when everything becomes more difficult for everyone. The skillful players have more of an edge because the more sure. difficult it gets on weaker players, they get worse and worse, and we get better and better. Sure. Yeah. Yeah, I, I can agree with that. I but I, with that. obviously, from if you're ma- making models and building optimal lineups and running simulations, you got way you got way more commu- com- now, now you got you need a lot more computer power. Yeah, a lot higher combinatorics. So it's I I think that I agree with you. I see I, I see your point for sure. Um, I don't like MPE just simply because of what we talked about earlier with NBA, where like you're going to need the top eight best players period versus on FanDuel. You don't need that specifically, but I totally agree with you that from a gameplay standpoint, you're right. Uh, if, if less people are stacking and it makes it easier to stack, it, it's a good thing for you. Yeah. Right. I, I Bring it on. It. Yeah. Bring on the combinations. When do, when do we ever say, and, and like take a look at showdowns, Take a look at, uh, at uh, what are the tiers or whatever, all the formats that have less combinations. Yeah. Like the less combinations on short slates, two game slates. We always get into the notion of like the sharper play is finding the unique combinations. Mm-hmm. So like the more combinations that are available, the more available unique combinations are available. So when, when you have a two game slate, it's like it's hard not to build a good lineup. It's just it's hard to build a unique lineup. And the differences between lineups is not going to be that dramatic. And especially when it comes to MLB, the differences between lineups is, I mean, I mean, I do look at projections, but you're playing teams. Like it's so, mm-hmm. so much different from NBA where you're playing, play, you're, this guy's a value, that guy's a, like, we, we could have, I mean, I'm taking a look at our, our RG projections right now. I don't, I don't even know if they're at. I don't even know. These, these, who knows? Someone could have just jotted these down. I'm not even sure. But like looking at the best the best point per dollar play on the slate right now is Cedric Mullins if he leads off uh, against Boston. For the Cedric freaking Mullins is the best guy. This is going to be such a fun Thursday. Right. Okay. That, I'm just saying he's he's projected in our, in our stuff batting first in Fenway against Nathan Eovaldi. He's twenty one hundred dollars on DraftKings. I mean, he's like he's the minute. He's like, I mean, come on, these prices shouldn't be this this low. I mean, we I, have I look. Did. We have. Uh, I mean, obviously, there's some good. Like David Dahl is is projected to bat second against Keller in Kansas City. And he's twenty five hundred. I mean, these guys should be four thousand. I did, like, but hear. I mean, a lot a lot of these guys are ch- are cheap because they're facing Darvish and. And and Glasnow and I can't count Bumgarner as a real pitcher, so he doesn't count. Uh, but it's like Cedric Mullins at twenty one hundred, best point per dollar play on the slate. Like from a cash game perspective, sure, okay, fine, whatever. But I mean, he could just go. It's not like NBA where it's like, oh, this guy like Cedric Mullins on this slate probably should be four thousand. He's two thousand. Now imagine you say on an NBA a guy that should be eight thousand is 4,000. Like right. you'd be playing like 98% of them, right? Well, so I, I went over that in the, my recent post on a site, which is free, by the way, I, I tweeted about it, but um, 
I went over that the reason why MLB is the best DFS sport is because it's an event oriented sport where like that price discrepancy on Cedric Mullins, I'm, I will not stop laughing that Cedric Mullins is the best point per dollar play. Um, that, that price discrepancy, sure. He should be more expensive, but his floor is a literal zero. Everyone's not something. Yeah. Everybody's floor in baseball is a literal zero. So Cedric Mullins being the quote unquote best overall value, like, if he's going to be more than 20% owned, I love everything about the slate because like he's, th- this is a player that only reason why he's popular is because of the price and because of his batting order. But it's not like NBA where because he's underpriced, it means that he's a good value. He's underpriced, but it doesn't mean anything because he could have a literal zero. He can have a literal two point outing and it just kills so much. Right, he's going to bat. He's going to bat four to five times. And that's it. Yeah. That, he's going to bat four to five times. He's got a 250 batting average and he hasn't hit a home run since Nam. Like, right. That's, that's chalk that is so good to fade, man. Like, I am so excited for baseball. Well, who knows? I'm just going, I'm just looking at, I mean, he could end up batting eighth and then, then no longer than he's just sitting there at 2100. Sure. But the point of it is that, like, we can extend that, that conversation that we just had, that thought that we just had of any $2,100 player that ever bats first in a batting order on any slate in any park against any pitcher. It doesn't matter. Right. If they're going to be the best point per dollar play, and you look at them and you say, okay, well, this guy, you know, he's the best point per dollar play, but he, he doesn't do anything for GBPs. He has a ceiling of like 4.27. He has a ceiling of 22.59. Does he? He has a floor of 1.79. I'll take the under. <laughs> right. Well, I mean, the floor and the ceiling are like the 20, the, the 50. I know. They're standard deviations. I get it. I get it. Right. That, that, that point can be extended towards so many different MLB conversations. And, and it's the reason why baseball is such a fun DFS board and something that I think both Jordan and I love about DFS is that we can crank up that leverage lever now. We, we can focus more on playing plays that people look at as like bad plays. And it's like, dude, you can look at it as a bad play, but if they're going to be 3% owned and they have an implied total of like 4.5 and it's going to be 30% owned for a total that's like 5.2, I will take the 3% ownership and a chance to bink the slate with very, very low owned players against the players that all have the same floor of zero. And like median projections on hitters are funny. So I love baseball season for that reason. That that's the main reason. Right. And I look at the prices. See, like this is very similar to lineups, not players. I think in terms of stacks, not players. So for instance, I'll show you on the screen. Like Cedric Mullins is not what entices me. So I look at the Orioles. We have a we who knows what their order is gonna be. I mean, this is we're looking on Monday, so this doesn't mean anything. They haven't even finalized, like, the rosters or anything yet. What I'm looking for, this is the this is the vomit, this is vomit stacks, okay? I'm, I'm explaining what vomit stacks are, okay? Uh, the point of playing vomit stacks is, goes along with what, James, what you said. Any team on any day could hit 12, 12 runs or whatever, Right? And, and obviously they don't have equal chances, but at least some of a chance. I'm looking for stacks of five players that fit in multiple roster slots on DraftKings, especially, uh, and it and it be under twenty thousand combined. So that's 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 the qualification of a vomit stack. 
If you could play five guys, mostly at the top of the order from a team uh, that has at least a, a four implied total, basically they're, they're not facing an ace. They're not facing a DeGrom. They're not facing a Cole. They're not facing, because they'll naturally be, un, they'll naturally be low priced. Uh, and can I fit five of them in my lineup? See, like here with the Orioles, Cedric Mullins is 2,100, Mancini 39, Santander 35, Mountcaster 39, Cisco 31. That's I mean, like cool. there's a vomit stack. But the problem here is that you have three outfielders, two first basemen, and a catcher. Like Galvis, if he bats eighth down over here, he's your second baseman shortstop. So, like, I'm more likely to stack with Galvis just to fill my second base short spot because I, do I want to fill three outfielders in the same stack? I don't know. So, like, it filled the vomits, it fills the, the salary requirement, but the positional, like, if Galvis was batting like fifth or second or something, there you go. I'm jamming in 20% Orioles on, on, on opening day. Like, like, it, I don't need to do anything else. They project like the point per dollar is enough that if the, if the Orioles score 10 runs in Fenway against the Evaldi, which why, why couldn't they? Yeah. Uh, And then I get two stud pitchers. I win. Right. And the stud pitchers have to be worth it. So it would take a look in a slate that has, you know, Bieber and who, I mean, who else is on the slate? I mean, the problem with the oh, with the begin, first couple of outings of the rotation is they're probably not going to pitch more than six innings, so you have to take that into account. But that's the whole that's the whole vomit stack theory. So I'm not looking for individual batters. So, for instance, if I go into the projections right now, this is the RG projections. I'll, I'm, I used a bat from from Derek Cardi. So, but I mean, the RG projections are, are fine also. Uh, and I look at the top point per dollar. I see Boston. I see Baltimore. Baltimore, Texas. Arizona, but Arizona is facing Darvish. So maybe may that maybe I don't look at Arizona. I look at Min- Minnesota. I'm just looking for the cheap guys like JK batting sixth against Woodruff. But like Corey Dickerson in, in Miami batting first against Glasnow. Do I want to do that against Glasnow? Maybe not. But San Diego's in Arizona facing Bumgarner. I don't consider Bumgarner to be a quality pitcher anymore. Anybody who does is just in denial. Right. Kike Hernandez, if he leads off for the Red Sox against John Means. So I just look for these cheaper guys. And then that led, because like Boston, if Kike Hernandez leads off for Boston, like let's take a look at their lineup as projected. I mean, obviously we'll, you'd get that at three o'clock in the afternoon on Thursday, but I'm looking and I'm saying, okay, well, Bogart's endeavors are expensive. Verdugo and JD Martinez are, are reasonable. Now Verdugo is going to be batting lefty lefty if he even bats in that order in that spot. Maybe they play Dalbeck. Maybe they move Dalbeck up in the order or something. Who knows? Who knows how they're going to do it? But I take a look at this, and this is not a vomit stack. Even though Kiki Hernandez is second base eligible and possibly leading off against John Means in Boston, makes him a fine cat. Like if you want to use him as a one-off cash play type of thing. I think that's perfectly fine just because you're trying to get more plate appearances in cash games. But from a stacking perspective, this is not really that cheap of a stack because it's very unlikely that a, that a team's going to put up 10 plus runs and their main hitters are 0 for 5. So it's very rare that, yeah, I may not stack with Xander and Devers both, but at least one of them, 
Right? It's going to be, why am I going to play Hernandez Verdugo, J.D. Martinez, Hunter Renfro, Marwin Gonzalez, and not leave the heart of their order? Like, like it makes no, most likely, if that team does well, the good hitters do well also. But then I take a look at, uh, let's see, we saw before with, uh, with David Dahl, Texas. So there was a cheap hitter, okay? We look at their order, and look how cheap this order is. They're playing against Brad Keller. Who I, I never mind as, a, as as a pitcher, as an SP two, I mean I'm just gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna say on DraftKings, Brad Keller could be, uh, could be a little bit chalky. As, yeah, as, a, as against a cheap, Texas, yeah, against Texas as a cheap pitcher, okay. Uh, so if he's gonna be twenty percent owned, you know sounds I love like, stacking against like SP twos, right? Yeah, that sounds like money, right? And then look at the look at the look at the look at the prices. If this is the order, I mean, obviously we're just projecting one to nine here. Kiner Falefa leading off. This says how bad the Rangers are. <laughs> okay. Uh, if Isaiah uh, Kiner Falefa is leading off, but I look, I get a shortstop, 3,500. David Dahl, 2,500 in the outfield. Gallo, Nate Lowe, first baseman, and Nick Solak or Odor, even one of the two. Second base. I mean, I'm able to fill two middle infield spots a first base and two outfield spots and look at the combined price. The combined price is, I mean, I mean, it's way, way under 20 K. Sounds like I'm stacking the Rangers. Right. So, and then, and then you get leverage if Keller's, you know, ends up coming in 20 to 25% owned. Like you're, I'm describing how I, how I pick my team. Like that's it. Yep. You know, people are going to, well, what's his ISO? What's his, uh, what do I need? I just need to know, give me the, the normal projections. Give me the price. Give me the, the, the ownership and that I'm done. And then I'm picking teams. So so now, since Texas is the road team, I don't mind playing the bottom of their order. No, because they get an extra at bat. Right. Because the, they'll guaranteed ninth inning at bats. I, this is a more or less, a more likely or less likely. Just like in DFS, everything should be more likely and less likely. Not always and never. Uh, seven, eight, and nine for the home team, I try to stay away from. Seven, eight, or nine. I mean, you don't typically they're the worst hitters anyway, and their plate experience uh, expectation is lower because they're lower in the order. Uh, doesn't mean I don't play them. Like I said in the in the instance before with Galvis, it's because like on Baltimore, like just pr- from a positional standpoint, like number one, they're the road team, so I don't mind the eighth hitter in the lineup. But do I want to take up like three outfield spots with the Orioles? Probably not. So. Galvis bats eighth, so I'm going to do something maybe more like Galvis batting eighth and then play Mullins, Mancini, Santander, and Cisco. Try to maintain that correlation, yeah. Right, and it's enough. I, I, it's not the eighth hitter still correlates with the other hitters on the lineup and everything. You know, the, the gaps don't matter as much. But then we take a look at, at Texas, and it's like, this is easy. I mean, I could just pay, basically take all the lefties. And, like, I have no problem. And they're there, and... If Jose Trevino is batting eighth, he's 2,900. And this is where you get into, if you, if you listen to the morning grind or, or any, any, when I'm on Grinders Live and people are like, what are you doing at catcher? It's like, whoever I'm stacking, I'm playing the, I mean, unless I'm playing some one-off like Real Muto, you know, one of the hot, the Grandal, one of the actual good catchers. To me, on DraftKings, obviously in Fandle, you don't have to play catcher. But on, on DraftKings, I'm more likely to like, I don't care where the spot in the order is. I don't care what the name is. I don't care. It does not matter. If they're cheap, 
as long as they're like under 3,500 and just like, I'm just playing the, 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 I guess if I'm stacking the pirate, Jacob Stallings, here you come, right? It's just, it's whatever it is. I don't concern myself that much because if I'm going to punt anywhere. It's going to be good. Right. And why not make it more correlated than punting? Oh, I'm going to play Jose Trevino in a lineup with my Orioles stack. Like, why not? Why aren't you just playing Chancisco in that spot? Like. It's the same thing in in NFL, any slate that doesn't have an elite tight end on it. Just, (laughs) just correlate it with your quarterback. Like instead of like trying to get a, get a, touchdown prop on one of these other tight end that probably sucks just correlate it with your quarterback same thing with catcher just correlate it with the rest of your stack and just not even worry about it and most of the time when you're going to be paying up at catcher anyway is when you have like like on uh on the fifth day of the rotation when julio freaking to heron ends up chalk every single time because he's not the worst pitcher but he's also terrible but he's priced at like 9k uh, like you're going to be paying down a pitcher that day anyway. So you might have the money to get up to catcher and not have to worry about it with your stack. But for the most part, just, just correlate it. Correlation is stronger than your, than ISO and slug and whatever. Like just correlate it. Uh, Jacob Calloway asks, are you less likely to use one-offs from popular stacks? Or are you more so waiting strongest standalone ability in your lineups that are built with under-owned stacks? Uh, I... Now there are certain players that I don't mind. If if the Dodgers are chalky, and I got and I got six thousand left in my lineup, like I'm playing Mookie Betts. I'm playing. I'm. It does to me those type of players. Mike Trapped. I don't care how old yeah. the Angels. Like I don't mind. But other than that, like if most most if the if the stack is chalky, if that guy does well, most likely the team has done well. Mm-hmm. So like I I'm not a big fan. Like for instance, in the Cedric Mullins example. Cedric Mullins sucks. Okay. Right. Yeah. It's bad. Uh, yeah. If, if he's, if he ends up being 22% owned as a one-off outfielder, I, 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 I is, and the Orioles are not a, a not a, a, a team that's stacked. Like you, we may have these Cedric Mullins is 22% owned. And then the stack is 1% owned, right. Cause everyone's playing the, the lead off $2,100 guy but no one's playing Mancini or any of the other guys in the line. Then, then I don't mind playing Mullins in my stack, but I'm not going to play him as a one-off because it makes it to me, makes no sense. I'm, and I'm not going to play a, a one-off in a, in a, in a, in a chalk stack. If, if Fred, if Freddie Freeman at first base, if the Braves, if the Braves are chalky and everyone on the Braves is 15 to 18% owned and Freddie Freeman, it's 24% owned to me. I'm more likely to just fade the Braves than play any of them as a one-off assuming that the only way any of them hit a ceiling is if you know multiple of them do well enough there there are obviously instances where bottom of the orders do well where it's like freddie freeman has two home runs but like ozuna is sitting there with nothing i mean like because the bottom of the order got on base and then freddie freeman just like hit him in like yeah, yeah. there's there, there are those instances but i'm less i'm less likely i'm not saying never just saying less likely, but those situations with the, the leadoff hitter, you know, when, when, when Tim LaCastro or something, you know, we get, we, we get these 2k leadoff hitters, R- Ramel Tapia, you know, when he's uh, he comes, Oh, he's batting for his 2,800 and he's in, he's in course playing for the Rockies. And it's like, like, dude, I, 
I want not I in GPP in cash games play them all you want. I mean that, that's yeah you play them in cash games, but in GPPs to me it it, it makes no sense. The, the the relative value is not worth it in an event driven sport. Like it if you went by the rule, James, do you think this this if if you had a rule? I'm not saying you should do this, but if there was a blunt if you had a blunt tool on a ten plus game slate. Should you just, if any batter's projected to be more than 20% owned, can you just, if you just X them out and then built your lineups, do, do you think that you, that, that would almost always be a plus EV decision? Directly from the article that I just wrote, this, this is a quote. Uh, the popular plays are generally popular for a reason, and you're either grossly underpriced or necessary to build competitive lineups. If you build a lineup with nobody over 20% owned, this is talking about NBA. If you build a lineup with nobody over 20% owned, it's pretty unlikely that you built a lineup that's competitive over a long sample. But in MLB DFS, you can have an entire roster under 10% and it be competitive so long as it's built correctly. In fact, I would say that lineups built entirely under a 20% threshold are more likely to find success long-term than those over the 20% mark but that's a conversation for another time directly right, it, from the article that I just wrote. Right. On, on, a, so, on a normal size slate. We're not talking about a four game slate. Right. Yeah. On a normal side slate. Be- and, a 10, and reason, 11, 12 game slate. If Mike Trout is 36% owned, I'm less like, it, it, it's quite likely I'm playing a hundred lineups and playing no, literally none of them. And the reason for that is because the events that happen in games are significantly like the probability of a home run in any given game by any given player is way less than 36% on Mike Trout. It's way even for, less. Even for Mike Trout, it's less. Even for Mike Trout. Yeah. Right. The, the best hitters in the league have a non-binomial distribution percentile chance of 7% to hit a home run in any given game. 7%. When you combine that with a pitcher that is very bad, like if they're facing James Shields, that goes up into like the mid 14 to 16% or something like that. But that's 14 to 16% chance that they're going to hit a home run. The best hitters in the league. We're talking like Cody Bellinger, Mike Trout, Giancarlo Stanton, whatever. So anything over 20% owned in MLB, like I'm very, very, very wary to utilize hitters that are over 20%. Pitchers, pitchers, different conversations, but hitters, if they're over 20% owned, I'm very, very wary to utilize them. Just because you you lose all of the plus EV of taking a hitter as soon as they hit that 20% mark. They, they don't have significantly more than a 25% chance to make value, especially at the price you have to pay for. What happens? Okay. What happens if Mike Trout is, is uh, uh, whoops, 3,000. They did it by accident on DraftKings. Mike Trout is straight. Ronald Acuna, whoops, 3,000. That's you know, gonna, you know because, they're going to end up being, you know, on an 11-game slate, they'll be like 45% down. You know, and you know what I would say? I I'd still say Xing them out is probably to win a large field GPP. Yep. I'd still X them out. That's even better. Like it, like if Mike Trout is going to be like 3,000 on any given slate, I know that he's going to be 65. So every single tout service on the planet will be talking about Mike Trout at 3K. Right, but he's oh, still yeah. only going to get five at bat. He's going to have four or five at bats. Right, he could easily just get two walks and a run. Right, even, right? even like if even if at that price he gets a walk and a stolen base and a run, that's like nine points. He can still get beat badly. 
by other 3K outfielders. He can still get Cedric Mullins could beat him. Exactly. (laughs) Because baseball is hilarious. It's all randomness and it's all variance and it's beautiful. Uh, So yeah, anything over 20%, um, I get very, very wary to roster anybody over 20%. Doesn't mean you don't. Doesn't mean you can't. Right. It just means I have to think more about it. I I have to really weigh that decision more. And, And like, if I have a stack of like, Say, say I stack the Rangers, you know, they're, they're all 1% owned on, on opening day. Then I'm a little bit more likely to take on a, a popular hitter, like, a, like, cause I'm going to have the money for Mike Trout. Right. And, and if Mike Trout's going to be 25% owned, but I have all 1% owned hitters around him and I'm able to afford the two stud pitchers, whereas other people are playing an SP two that is $7,000. Maybe I'm more likely to take that 25, 30% owned player because like I already have the leverage that I need four large field tournaments. I, I don't have to worry about the leverage anymore. And I'm just trying to like fill out upside. So maybe I end up doing that. But if Mike Trout's going to be 30% owned on that slate and I have all these 1% owned hitters, but then there's going to be Cody Bellinger playing outfield at the same price and he's going to be like 10% owned. And I'm not talking about opening day because the Dodgers playing cores opening day. So this is probably flipped. But my, my point is that if there's a very popular expensive hitter, that's going to be 30% owned and then a hitter with the same upside, that's going to be 10% owned. I probably just want the hitter that's going to be 10% owned because why wouldn't I? Like, I just think, I, I, I don't I mean, take them. a look at, take a look at opening day. You have Acuna against Nola, Betts and Bellinger against Marquez, Tatis and Machado against Bumgarner, Seager against Marquez, Yelich against Maeda, Story against Kershaw, Bryce Harper against Freed, Real Muto against well, 5,500 for Real Muto. <laughs> okay. Uh, but you take a look at some of these. I mean, like, yeah, if I have, if I have $6,000 left in my vomit stack, like, why wouldn't I play Betzer Bellinger in, in, in Colorado against German Marquez? Like, but do I play Betts or Bellinger? Like, who, who cares, right? If, if it's a utility spot, and I have 5,900. That doesn't mean I have to play bets. If I want to play Tatis in a utility because he's shortstop eligible or Machado or against Bumgarner. Yeah, I have no problem playing anyone against Madison Bumgarner in 2021. So like if, 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 if bets, if let's say Marquez is uh, against Bellinger because he's lefty against Marquez because people like the, the reverse, the, the, the platoon splits. Bellinger's on, on an eleven game slate is like thirty two percent owned, and Betts is going to be twenty four percent owned, and Tatis is going to be twenty percent owned, and Machado is going to be seventeen percent owned. Like, dude, like the the differences between these guys are like nothing. Like, like look at the, even the projections are barely that different from each other. So even even with you have fifty eight hundred left, and and the best raw points is Bellinger. And he's going to be 32% owned. And even if you have a 1% owned stack, it's still probably even better to just take Machado in that spot. I mean, just like, because the projection difference is, is not, it's practically nothing. So like the whole, the whole concept of DFS is, can you, can you get uh, more relative points than your opponents? And if two guys in your model are projected the same and one is less owned, there's, there's, there's no instance where the less owned player is not the better is not 
the plus EV move. There's no, there's literally no instance. If you tell me that the range of outcomes of two players is exactly the same, they're exactly the same price, and one's going to be half his own as the other, you should be picking the lowest owned one every a hundred percent of the time. So even though like you have the raw, you know, oh, well, I could afford Bellinger, I could play Bellinger or Machado or something, and they're both projected like, like, dude, whoever's the lowest, like, but I already have a one percent owned. Leverage doesn't matter to that extent. Like the 1% don't stack doesn't have to have every player in that stack do well. Right. They're 1% don't. If three out of the five, if, if three out of the five guys have home runs and the fourth guy has a good 15 point game with some runs and a stolen base, the fifth guy could possibly have zero points and you, and you could win a large field GPP because the four, the other four are so low owned. And then if you end up with Bellinger in that scenario where he's 32% owned, 0 for 4 with two strikeouts, and, like, you just wiped out a third of the field. I mean, like, you wiped out a third of the field right there. So now that the low, the score, the winning score is going to be so much lower, which means your 1% stack doesn't have to put up 15 runs. They can put up nine runs and you win the slate. I mean, that's the whole, this is... This is the vomit stack theory of DFS or whatever. I mean, this is, there's a lot of people come to me, James, and they say, how are you playing the Tigers? How are you playing the Pirates? How are you playing these Marlins? How are you playing the Orioles? These, these garbage teams, the Mariners. And like, you really think they're going to put up 15 runs? I go, no, I, all I need to do is have them put up nine runs and have the chalk fail. Yeah. That's it. How often are they going to put up nine runs today? Oh, okay. A little bit easier than, 50. Yeah, the Dodgers look like they can put up 15 runs every every game. But if they're going to be, you know, 15%, 20% owned every game, like I'm just, I'm just that, or people go to cores. Oh, I got to play, I got to stack cores. It's like, okay, I'll play the Tigers. And go, really? You think the Tigers going to outscore cores? And I go, no. All I need to know, all they need to do is score eight runs while Coors Field is a three to one ball game. That's it. That's all. Well, and the other big part about that is like, you don't need it to happen very often either, right? No. I mean, you need it to happen once, maybe twice in, in an entire season. Entire season, that's right. <laughs> so, I, and, and that kind of speaks to the long-term idea of what DFS is and, and baseball especially, because like you're dealing with variants all season. There is not a single slate that you're not going to get that warning track fly out that's just going to tilt you beyond belief. But it's so long as you continue to stick to that process of leverage and understanding of trying to play against the field in baseball, this is the best sport to do it because you really only need it to work once or twice. And you, you have better chances of taking down those GPPs because if those chalk, if course fails and course is taking up 40% of the field. And I, and I do think that we're going to see more condensed ownership this year because we saw a lot of condensed ownership in NFL. We saw a lot more condensed ownership in NBA. I think we see a lot more condensed ownership in MLB as well. If cores fails and wipes out 40% of the field, like you have already opened the gates if you avoided cores. You you just need a team that puts up eight runs and has your main guys, three out of your five main guys do really, really well. And you're in contention. Like you're you're competitive to take down that team. Right. And have two pitchers that don't get blown up. Right. Yep. Or one pitcher or whoever. Well, or actually, yeah. And and even if you're playing on DraftKings two years ago, I took down a tournament with a pitcher that had negative like five points or something. It was like Chris Archer. Or so, <laughs> uh, of course it was Chris Archer that had negative five points. 
but it was like Chris Archer had negative five points, but I had all the angels at like 4% ownership or something in, in the trop. And they, they put up like 12 runs or something. And, and it didn't matter that I had negative points for my pitcher. And that's why you do it that way. I believe two years ago, there was someone that won the large field GPP on FanDuel with a negative one from their, yeah. uh, with their yeah. pitcher on a single pitcher site. Yeah. It's the beauty of baseball, dude. Like it's the beauty of, of MLB. It, it's the best DFS score. For GPPs. For G- that's all I care about. It's best for cash it's games. Best it could be DFS. very frustrating. Yeah. Well, for cash, it sucks because it's all variants and, yeah, that, that sounds terrible. But right, like, you, your two v two is like, like is the, the, your your guy the shot goes all the way to the wall, and your opponent's guy hits three home runs, and you're like, how how am I supposed to? Yeah, uh, how was I supposed to know that? Like, how would you don't you just you, you literally you literally don't right right or yeah, on DraftKings you have two pitchers, and it's like, okay, here's the two v two, and it's like, uh, are you going to play this SB two or that SB two? Well, the difference could be thirty point difference, right? But right, Joe Musgrove, three-point difference. Right. Musgrove could, you, it's like, okay, do I play Brad Keller or Joe Musgrove? And it's like, like Keller goes out and strikes out eight guys in seven innings with one, with giving up one run and no walks. And Musgrove within a, an inning and a third has already given up nine runs. And you're sitting there going, okay, I guess I lost today in cash. I guess, yep. Move I guess on the, the negative one. 12 uh, versus 26 is going to work out. Right. Yep. You you you're fine with that in GBP. You could live with that in GBP. Just it's like okay, like the two guys were projected exactly the same, and their differences were thirty points apart from each other. Yeah. On to the next one, man. GG next. But all of this is discussed. Like I said, like even though we were talking about NBA for the past three months, like the theory of DFS, the fifteen hour audio masterclass covers everything. So it's, it's it's the concepts of how to play DFS, regardless of the sport. So if you're getting into MLB, right? Because I'm getting it. Uh, I actually had fun on the on the pregame show this morning talking about DFS. A lot of times in the past two weeks, I feel like a uh, basketball slate. What the hell is going to happen? We already have Jalen Brown who's out today. I I was going to say that. It's, it's already, already started, man. It's 11 game slate. What team is not going to play today? Who knows? I don't care. I'm not going to play it. Right. But go to theoryofdfs.com, me and James. How to think like a professional DFS player. We're, we're just structured education in your pocket. All these concepts that we talk about are in there. And uh, and Craig Tao asks, uh, am I going to do my spreadsheet for cash and MLB? Yes. That's, that will be using the bat projections. Now, what, I'm, what I mentioned before is that I'm done, I'm done with NBA. Like, like today, I'm, like, I'm, I'm telling you right now, I'm not playing NBA tonight. So you won't see an entry in the, like, if I do happen to play, It'll be in there, but like from, don't expect to see like if if it if, if this ends the twenty like yesterday, like that that's that's the end. I mean like don't ex- this is the final results for the season as of now. Now I also have a tab here for MLB. You see it's like it's not even filled out, right? It's I'm waiting. I'll be doing MLB though, so it'll be that'll be fine. MLB I don't mind doing because it's I, I could nothing changes enough that it's gonna matter. So unless pitcher gets scratched, that's that. Unless a pitcher much... gets scratched, or you know, the batting order changed to some extent may may affect it a little, but not as much as as NBA, which uh, which we were, we were both we were both both really 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 sick of. <laughs> yeah. 
Craig Toe even says, even though you said the cash games have so much variance, understand that I don't play cash games. I invest in cash contests, which means on a given day, the variance in a given day in baseball is, is, is dramatic, is on a given day. I'm going to be playing 160 slates. So that's it's the same way we said about long term. Like when I play my vomit stacks, I know that 95% of the time they fail. I'm just hoping to make enough money the 5% of the time that they don't fail, that I win first place enough and I have a ton, ton of money at the end of the season. So everything is judged by the end of the season. So yes, it's, it's, it's a high variant sport, which means that you shouldn't be taking day-to-day results so dramatically. That's why you also shouldn't be playing, you know, I'm going to play 20 plus percent of my bankroll. Eh, not in baseball. 3%, homie. 3%. Right. right. It's very, it's, it's high variance. So you have to judge your results over the course of a season. So I don't mind playing cash games over the course of a season. But on a given day, that's why I said it's frustrating for cash games because, like, you pick the wrong SB2 that are projected. So the SB2 versus outfield punt kind of 2v2 or something like that, or the catcher, right? Those types of 2v, that's going to make or break you in cash. And yeah. they're all projected. The, you, you, the difference in the projection is is, is, not, is nothing. And you're like, okay, well, one is 0.2 higher than the other. And in baseball, 0.2, that's nothing. That's nothing, nothing. That's, it's not like basketball. It's nothing. So it's like whichever side you're on and that that's the one that wins. And then you have move on to the next day. You're hoping at the end of the season, you have like a 58 plus percent win rate and you make some money over the course of the season. But, but yes, but cash games can be very frustrating in, in MLB. Okie doke. Now, now finally, we're, we're coming to the end of the show and people are asking questions. How do you, how much do you factor in weather, wind, rain, whatever the, whatever the bat tells me. Yeah, weather, um, there are some parks that are more affected by weather, like it, at Wrigley, if wind is blowing out 20 miles per hour, like that's, that's notable, that's something that you should care about. Um, for the most part, though, uh, like a lot of the stadiums are designed to deal with weather they get uh, 14 mile per hour wind out at the giant stadium doesn't actually matter that much because the park is designed to be against that. Um, but most of the time, you're not going to worry too much about weather. Most Other of the time, than if it's going to be a rainout, right? Or if it's going to be a rainout, like you, you do have to worry about that. But that that kind of stuff, like <laughs> even that last year, that was a frustrating thing with the Nationals because the Nationals will will make the worst decision possible when it rain, comes rain to out, it. sunny day, never rains. Who cares? So dumb. So you right. do have to worry a little bit about that. But when you're making those decisions from a macro point of view. Like you're making that decision of like, okay, I know there's rain problems with Washington. I know there's rain problems with the Brewers, right? You're, you're looking at those games overall and saying, okay, those are some worrisome spots. But, worrisome spots for a postponement. Yeah, for postponement. Right. Those are the things you should worry more about or 20 plus mile per hour wind. You can care about that depending on whether it's in or out, depending on the park. But it's it's very, very contextual and it's very situational. So- I really only worry about postponed stuff. And even then, if it's kind of sketchy and people are going to be jumping off a really good team because of the weather, I might take a shot there just because I I think that there's going to be an ownership edge on, you know, the Brewers who can have good games. They have Yelich, they have Hura, they have, you know, they have some pretty good bats. If they're going to end up, if they were going to be popular, like 15 plus percent owned and 
the the game looks like it might get rained out and it's a little bit later, people are going to get off that game. And there's probably a little bit of ownership edge there. So it's all contextual, but mostly, mostly pay attention to postponement chances. Um, outside of that, like projections will take into account. Yep. And we'll be talking about that. We'll be doing, it'll be MLB Thursday onward. And we're going to get to the point. It's going to be mid August, right? We're going to be saying, bring on NFL, bring on NFL. This is getting <laughs> not, not because not going to, not because of shenanigans that shenanigans in baseball don't happen until September. Right. Uh, and then you start going, I'm, I'm sick of this now. Uh, it's more of the fact that it just, it's a great, like MLB, it just becomes a, a grind. It is a grind. Like, like, oh, the same order, the same day. It feels like feels like Groundhog Day. You're repeating yeah. the same five days over and over again. Kind of, you know. And and then like, you get then they get the sites that are like, oh, they forgot to price this team correctly, and then they're chalk and they fail, and then everyone bitches on Twitter. You know, like the worst, the worst thing is any time that the Orioles are facing the Yankees. Five days of just like, I don't want to deal with Glaber Torres. Oh, well, we get the BVP truthers. Yeah. Oh. Well, we get the BVP truthers, and we also get, like, the two years smashers, ago. The Orioles, always hits this team. The Orioles were a walking Coors two years ago. Mm. And any time that they faced the Yankees, it was just another Coors slate. So what we would have, and now I'm tilting about MLB already, what we would have is the Yankees would be in Coors, and then cores would be in cores. And then you have to avoid two different cores because you're dealing with the freaking Orioles pitching staff. That was the worst. But that, you know, that that happens later on in the season. Like every team has hope for a while, and then a team is just a basement, and now they're a walking course. So that that gets a little bit annoying in the middle of the season, but we're gonna be happy for the next month, Jordan. We're gonna be we're gonna be having a good time for the next month because we're done with base with basketball and we're on to baseball. I'm going to make my lineups with those little cocktails with the, the, the umbrellas in it. Cause yeah, it makes, I feel yeah. like you're on vacation. Like, is, like yeah. oh, lineups come out and I get to actually build lineups and, and like, Oh, it's seven. Uh, oh, Oh, I could, like I could watch the games and like not care about switching my teams because half a team sits for no apparent reason. Like, Oh, this is, this is brilliant. Yeah. This, this good... sport that they made up this baseball Every... This, Every this is a pretty good sport. This. Basketball, they should send back to the send back to the manufacturer and change yeah. it up again. Totally agree. Totally agree. Uh, so people can find you at paydirt underscore DFS. Uh, and uh, if people want to sign up for, for, for your model, obviously that's available, right? Yeah, yeah. So uh, you can find me at paydirt underscore DFS. Um, I'm going to retweet a, a link to my most recent article. It's a it's a total MLB breakdown. Talks about pretty much anything that you need to know about MLB DFS. Um, if you're a beginner or if you just want to read through some funny writing, I'm a pretty funny guy. So uh, I will link that. You can find all of my work over at paydirt.ghost.io. I still no have domain name. You still haven't gotten that. Still haven't gotten it. I'm working on on MLB. Okay, like let me let me work. Um, I did just upload the baseball models as well. So last year they were still in Excel sheets and this year they are actually in web applications. So it looks a lot cleaner and just getting ready for the season. Uh, 30 bucks a month for every single sport under the sun. And you can find me there. And you can find me on Twitter at Blender HD, which me a happy birthday by the course, by theory of DFS.com. If you want to get me a birthday present, buy, just give me money. There you just go. Pay pound me money. Just take <laughs> my head to heads. And and just fill out an empty lineup. Like that's the best way. It's like I, I don't need gifts. I just need money. 
And I don't care if I have, and I already have money. I could always have more money. So if you want to send me money for my birthday, that's perfectly fine with me. I don't mind, but uh, we'll be uh, tomorrow, we'll, uh, Tuesday and Wednesday. We're gonna ha- I'm going to have to talk about basketball. And then Thursday opening, the- then we're done. Uh, are people going to be upset? I don't know. Let me know. If, if more people, I mean, obviously we could still talk about NBA. It just, we could still review some lineups. We could still do that. But uh, it, it's, it's up to the YouTube people. So YouTube people, hit that thumbs up on the way out the door. Keep my apple juice cold. And uh, and so so it'll be up to you guys. So if we talk more about MLB, then that's that's what the YouTube chat wants. You have to show up live, right? Because I'm here every weekday, Monday through Friday, 10, 10, 10, 11 a.m. Eastern for the DFS pregame show here on rotogrinders.com. 